We'll read again from Luke 19, this time verses 45 through 48. And he, Jesus, went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And he taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him and could not find what they might do for all the people were very attentive to hear him. This account is referred to as the cleansing of the temple. And these who were attentive to hear him were among those who had followed Jesus into Jerusalem, rejoicing at what he had done and what they thought he was about to do, even if they were misguided in their uh, thinking for the plans ahead, thinking that he would establish his kingdom at this present time. But that was not to be the case. On the contrary, he was to give his life a ransom for not only their sins, but also for ours. But these who were jubilant stood in contrast to the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people who sought to destroy him. They were more than frustrated at the acclaim that was attributed to him. They were envious. They were jealous. They were enraged and went about how they might destroy him. But at least at that point in time, they could not figure out how that could be done. These scribes and the Pharisees, these were those who Jesus indicted as being like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within are full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. So they they dressed well. You can give them credit for that, for what that's worth. And would have taken a good photo in our day, but that was the extent of their favorable attributes. Uh, within they were unclean. They needed to be cleaned. It was one thing to clean the temple, and yet another one to clean those who came into the temple. Jesus uh, said, Woe unto you also, ye lawyers, for ye laid men with burdens grievous to be born, and ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. They exacted a high standard of everyone but themselves. They could not nearly reach the standard that they established for others to meet. The Levitical order of Jesus' day was ceremonially clean, but morally they were filthy within. Jesus again another time said to these who he indicted, you may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within you're full of extortion and excess. Cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. And of course, he was not concerned about the cup and the platter. He was concerned about the ones who were bearing the cup and the platter. It's similar to water baptizing a sinner. If you water baptize a sinner, the sinner comes up from the water a sinner still. Perhaps similar to dedicating 
a baby. There's no a virtue as far as uh, the moral virtue in dedicating a, a baby except to uh, say that you want to bring the child up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, but it does not change the nature of the baby. We're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So we're carnal before. If we're carnal before, we are carnal after. And with regard to how we were born, we were certainly born the same way, and that is carnal. But Jesus was doing more than sanitizing the sanctuary, which is actually what what happens here after we leave here. The sanctuary and the different rooms of the that are in use are sanitized. And that has actually always been the practice, but perhaps a little more, well not perhaps, a little more caution is exercised uh, these days. But uh, Jesus, uh, when he came into the temple, and Matthew puts it a little different way, he said he came, entered into the temple, Mark rather, and when he looked around upon all things. So, um, whereas some of the Gospels seem to telescope the event, Mark uh, puts the event as the day after Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, going to the temple and looking around and assessing uh, what he observed. And what he observed uh, was not uh, favorable. And when even time was come, Mark says he went out uh, unto Bethany with the twelve. But what he observed was not a house of prayer. What he observed was a, was a marketplace, a house of merchandise. There was buying and selling. There was uh, money exchangers who would uh, take uh, currency brought from afar and, and convert it into local currency to pay the temple tax, among other things. So he uh, was not pleased with what he saw, and I suppose it even extended uh, beyond uh, that and included all kinds of wares being bought and sold. So it truly was more like a marketplace. So Jesus, the next day, came and he chased out the money changers. He, he wasn't necessarily polite about it either. He, he, he values his house. We value God's house. It's a house of reverence. Jesus saw irreverence. And so he uh, chased out, thereby cleansing the temple of those who were converting or changing the use of the house of God into what it was not intended to be. He could not cleanse the people, at least not these people. So he chased them out and cleansed the house, rid of them, of them, calling them dens and or, or comparing them to the robbers who lived in the dens and thieves who lived in the caves and assaulted those who traveled throughout the land of Palestine in those days. They were like rodents who come out after dark and infested the land. That's not a flattering picture of what Jesus saw of those who were coming to the house of God. But this is more about cleansing a building or sanitizing a sanctuary. This is about the condition of those who come to the sanctuary or come to the house of God. Individually, Paul taught that our body uh, is a sanctuary. He said, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, and which ye have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God claims ownership of you and of me. 
he uh, claims that ownership by virtue of creation. He made man in his own image and took Eve from uh, and made her from the rib of man. So you are a descendant of Adam and Eve. And the Bible teaches that we are one people and we were created and born into this world with the idea or the plan, rather, that we should be the temple of God. So we want to reverence God by honoring our body and using it in the way that God intended it to be used. We're to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. Individually, we're a sanctuary. Collectively, uh, again, Paul writes in the, to the church at Corinth, you're the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We refer to one another as, as God's people because we are God's people. That's how God views us. We're God's people. So we want to honor God in every way. And we do that, again, Paul says, by coming out from among them, the world, those who are um, maintaining their carnal ways, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So the Lord does more than sanitize a sanctuary. He, he cleanses the temple. He cleanses you and me, if we come to him and look to the blood of Jesus to do what the blood of Jesus was shed to do. David prayed that prayer. He said, have mercy on me. After he had failed God so miserably, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. Speaking of the inward nature of sin with which we were born, that old carnal nature. It's one thing to ask forgiveness of sins committed in the past, but quite another to be cleansed within and have that sinful nature eradicated by that same blood of Jesus from, uh, that was applied to our hearts when, uh, atoned, when he atoned for our sins. Again, John refers to that twofold nature of sin and the twofold remedy if we confess our sins. And we did that when we got saved. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And he did that. And subsequently to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's power in the, in the blood of Jesus to cleanse from the inside out. Jeremiah said, I will cleanse them from their iniquity whereby they have sinned against me and I will pardon all their iniquities. Again, Pardon applying to the sins committed, cleansing to the inward nature from which those sinful tendencies sprang to begin with. We have an active part in cleansing. It's a condition, really, of, of reverence in a building. We have those who volunteer to sanitize the sanctuary and to show up weekly and regularly, more than weekly now, to keep it clean. Well, we have a, a duty to keep this temple that God has uh, granted us or entrusted to us uh, clean as well. Uh, Paul said, let us cleanse ourselves from all filth, filthiness of flesh, 
and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There are some things that we can do. We, we have to rub shoulders with the world, distancing notwithstanding. We're out there, so we can't avoid it. Uh, we, um, in a sense, are almost contaminated by it, but we can also keep our distance from the things that the world does and offers. So we cleanse ourselves from all filth, filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the Lord. This entire sanctification is an instantaneous experience. We know when we got saved, and we know when we got sanctified. But at the same time, it's also a, a process by which we continue to mature and grow throughout our entire Christian life until the day we died and are eventually glorified. Paul wrote to the Romans not, that we ought not to be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of, of our minds that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A church conformed to the world will not win the world. I would hate to think that uh, what it would have been like if I would have stepped into that little church in Roseburg uh, so many years ago and seen what the world, or what I saw in the world, no, I saw a group of people that distinguished themselves from the world. And I don't think it was a matter of them trying to distinguish themselves from the world. Uh, they were simply trying to serve God. Uh, they, had, they had committed their lives to God. They had an experience of uh, justification. They knew when they got saved. Uh, they were sanctified, many filled with the Holy Ghost. They weren't uh, trying to impress anyone. They were just living the way God intended they live. And that was different than anything I had ever seen uh, up until that time. So they weren't trying to be like the world, to win the world, which is a popular uh, way to approach uh, what is called by some the gospel nowadays. No, not at all. We're, we're simply trying to serve God and let people know there's something different than the, what the world offers. The church that employs the tactics of the world to address the flawed human condition by using the tactics of the world will get the same results that the world gets. Confusion, division, disorder. Look around. It's what you see. It's what uh, you can expect by using the tactics of the world. No, uh, we're thankful that we can uh, look to the blood of, of Jesus uh, to provide the true remedy that every uh, human being needs. And uh, it is offered to every individual. The world will, if we allow it, clutter our mind with non-essential matters and if successful, will capture our heart. So we, we must not allow ourselves to be conformed to the world. We must come out from among them and be separate, uh, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Our, our goal isn't specifically to live different from the world. Our goal is to live for God. And if we succeed in living for God, that's good enough. It will be different from the world. 
Jesus said, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. If Satan can fill our heads with clutter, he'll go a long ways toward uh, distracting us. I don't know too many people who like a cluttered house, a cluttered desk. I have a number of things shuffling around my desk on any given day, but at the end of the day, I at least put them in one stack. And sometimes it stays in that stack for a while, and I have to go through that stack and, and as I wonder, what is in that stack? But at least it looks a little better than being cluttered all around my desk. Well, let's not have cluttered minds. If we keep our, our minds clean, we have a better chance of keeping our hearts clean. When Jesus uh, comes into our life, he, he cleanses our life. He, he cleanses our uh, hearts and minds to uh, some degree, but we're still uh, works in progress. It's like the seed that fell in that, on that uh, thorny ground and uh, the thorns grew up and uh, choked uh, the plant, the, the would-be plant. He says it, it's like being choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring forth no fruit to perfection. Well, that's the product of a, of a cluttered mind and a cluttered heart. We want to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus, but then it's our responsibility to keep ourselves clean. The psalmist asked the question, where shall a young man cleanse his way? This is the work in progress part. And he answers it by taking heed thereunto according to thy word. By the word of God, it's the washing of the water. By the word, you take the word of God uh, daily, throughout the day. Uh, concentrate on the word of God. Meditate upon it. Memorize it. It, it, it does a work. It, it, it's part of the cleansing process. Uh, and, and coming out uh, from uh, the world and, and keeping ourselves uh, occupied in, in the things of God. Jesus was disappointed when he came to the temple that day at what he saw. I don't, I don't think the Lord would be disappointed uh, to step into this uh, sanctuary on any given day when God's people are assembled. Uh, we emphasize the fact, well, the Bible emphasizes the fact that God's house shall be called a house of prayer. And it's a beautiful thing at the conclusion of our services to see individuals fewer at the altars nowadays because uh, that's necessary. But it's a beautiful thing to look out in the sanctuary and see so many, nearly everyone, on their knees praying to the God of heaven. There was a sense of urgency on that uh, Palm Sunday as they cried out, Hosanna, that is uh, to say, save us now. That's what it uh, means in, in our vernacular. They, they were under a heavy burden of the Roman rule and longed for uh, freedom and peacefulness. Uh, that was not to come at that time. But you see that, uh, that sense of urgency. Well, we have a sense of urgency in our day as well as we uh, look to God and say, Lord, help us. And God does. God does. 
in his way. We love the house of God. We love the house of prayer. This is where many of us met the Lord for the first time. And uh, many, we heard even one testimony uh, Friday night, I guess it was, where uh, the first place they were brought was that uh, outside the home was to the house of the Lord. That's the first place we brought our children. It was to the house of the Lord. They weren't um, very old either, less than a a week old uh, at that time. But bringing them to the house of God did not save them. Coming to the house of God does not save us. Attending the church or coming to the house of God does not make it a house of prayer. It's a house of prayer when those who come here pray. And thank God that's what we will do. Leviticus 26.11 says, I will set my tabernacle among you, and I will walk among you, and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. God intended that we worship him uh, in our homes and uh, wherever we are, but God from uh, the beginning uh, ordained a plan whereby he said, I will, I will choose a place where you shall come and you shall bring your sacrifices and come and, and your praises and your rejoicing. Well, we thank God this is that place for you and for me. And he's promised that he will walk among us and be our uh, God. And ye, he said, shall be my people. Well, may this house be clean. And it is, thanks be to God. Thanks be to those who keep it that way. But may our lives be clean. May there be no need for the Lord to chase things out of our hearts and out of our lives. We do that ourselves. We eliminate, we set aside or put away uh, those things that would hinder our walk with him. We don't allow uh, Satan to clutter us with all these uh, non-essentials that are offered and, and that bombards us hour by hour throughout a day. No, we, we look to the Lord and we come to God in prayer in the same spirit of those who said, Hosanna to the son of David. We thank God that Jesus is our Messiah. He's our Lord. Let's come before him rejoicing today as we come to the place of prayer.